Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on Patreon. No, it's not on Patreon. It's the one thing that's not on Patreon. I've ruined the intro already. Oh well, it's staying in anyway. It's on Inside the Ropes. It's where you get your podcast. My name is Kenny and I'm joined by the one and only Finn, Martin and Finn. Quiet week. And the old Quiet boys of this. happened since we last <laughs> spoke on Wednesday, was it? Yeah, when? No, Thursday. 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 Thursday afternoon, wasn't it? Oh, when we were all bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and optimistic. About a big happy ending. We had high hopes for so many things. <laughs> well, listen, um, we are so basically just to fill you in about this podcast uh, today. So Finn is not a chance to watch all out yet because he's writing up the Clash at the Castle review for the magazine, and we were in Cardiff. So, um, for all out coverage, Sandra and I have covered it over on Patreon. That is up right now. Over an hour, we go into everything, the matches, the shenanigans, the press conference, which we are going to talk about on this podcast. Um, Raw, the uh, Raw from last night, we will talk about on Power Slam on Thursday, because we probably won't have time to talk about it today. So before we talk about uh, Clash at the Castle thing, everybody in the wrestling world is talking about one thing, and it is the post-all-out press conference with CM Punk and Tony Khan. So the gist of it, before I come to you, is that uh, Punk sits down with Tony Khan beside him and Nick Houseman, who is from Wrestling Inc., who lives in Chicago and I believe has done improv 
uh, in the past with Colt Cabana, Scott Colton. Uh, Nick Houseman had the first question. Tony Khan said, on you go. And Punk said, I'll start. Has anyone in here done, done improv, knowing that Nick Houseman has and used to do it with Colt Cabana? So he basically goads, goads uh, Nick Houseman into, you know, are you friends with Scott Colton? And he says that he's, he's disgusted that he has to bring it up on this uh, press conference to say that he did not get him fired. They've not spoke for 10 years. Um, you know, uh, he has no interest in speaking to him. He doesn't care where he works. Um, it's got nothing to do with him. And, and and this kind of became the theme because no matter what the questions were in the uh, press conference, it all came back to the Cabana thing. There was a moment where Dave Meltzer was there and he went, hey, Dave, uh, what, do you want to tell me what I've done? And, you know, you hear Meltzer kind of go, well, you tell me. Um, and then later on, uh, at the end, Brian Alvarez is someone who kind of singles out and he says, you know, I saw a video where you were incredulous that I, uh, about the things I said about Adam Page a couple of weeks ago in Dynamite, to which, you know, I heard those comments that Alvarez made and he did put across both sides, which were, you know, punk, uh, doing it as a retaliation to Adam Page going into business for himself, but also uh, people being very unhappy about it. So the whole theme of it was it all kept coming back to this Colt Cabana thing. And Finn, I mean, <laughs> this is just a wild series of events which ended up afterwards turning into a fight situation backstage. I mean, so, I mean, this is almost some... I mean, you, know, you use the word unbelievable and you're like, well, can this be real? <laughs> and like, if you sit and watch the entire CM Punk appearance... You can absolutely understand why this turned nasty backstage, can't you? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, tempers were going to flare backstage, weren't they? Tempers were going to flare. So I think you know, for me, um, obviously the, the whole Colt Cabana thing. I think to put context to it, CM Punk is obviously very annoyed initially at Adam Page because in in May Adam Page kind of went off script and said something along the lines of you're a champion out here, but you're not a champion back there for them. And I want to be a champion for them and get somebody like you out of AEW. Now, if you... I mean, you don't need to live under a rock, Finn, I'm assuming, to know that if you're going to make that kind of comment, which is very clearly about the Colt Cabana situation, you know, or, or people will think that's what it's about anyway, that you would at least mention it to Punk that you're going to try and bring it up or, you know, collaborate on it rather than just do it out of the blue because you know he's probably not going to take it very well. And then Punk obviously got injured, so it wasn't really a thing. And as soon as he comes back three months later, Punk decides to retaliate unscriptedly on TV. And I think if Tony Khan at that point had dealt with the situation, you know, sat them both down and went, look, Paige, you shouldn't have done this to Punk. Uh, Punk, you should not have done this to the retaliation. We're running a business here. We can't have this. And then maybe let's turn it into something. Let's turn it into an angle, make some money out of it. Yeah. That would have been the way to go. But that didn't happen as far as we're aware. No, which, clearly it didn't. Which has now led us to CM Punk essentially, because uh, he, he basically all but says the Young Bucks, apart from saying their names, where he mentions that they leaked it to the media that he got Colt Cabana fired. And that became the emphasis of this whole press conference. Well, that's right. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the August 17th Dynamite uh, incident and CM Punk's comments about Paige, um, which were not scripted, not scheduled. The the announcers like, you know, is Adam Page here? Is he going to come out? And um, of course, he didn't because it was not 
on the format for Adam Page to come out and respond to these comments that Punk made. Now, we talked at length about this at the time, didn't we, Kenny? And I think my uh, ver- uh, my my diagnosis of this problem, you know, <laughs> and the cure to this ill that existed between Page and Punk that had also, you know, enveloped AEW was, as you just said, to have a conversation backstage between these two people, thrash it out. If apologies needed to be made, make sure that those apologies were made with sincerity and to really nip this thing in the bud before it escalated any further. And clearly that did not happen, as we saw on Sunday night or Monday morning our time, Mm -hmm. when Punk um, just really went off on this tirade about Scott Colton, Hangman Adam Page... He didn't mention, you know, the Young Bucks by name, but we all know that that's who he was referring to, the EVPs, uh, who should have known better. I mean, it was just peppered with expletives. There was so much bad language in this media scrum. It just reached the point where it was just boring listening to CM Punk swear. I mean, there was an art, Kenny, to swearing. And I point you to the series Deadwood, which, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the art of swearing and then there's CM Punk who was just, you became totally desensitized to the F word by the end of this media scrum, that you didn't even hear the swear words anymore. Um, But yeah, something should have been done. Tony Khan should have stepped up. You know, that was a big test for him to be a leader, to be a president, to be a boss, to be someone who could enforce the rules um, and, you know, let the talent know that there would be consequences um, if people violated those rules and they needed, you know, to be reprimanded, suspended or fired, you know, if necessary, depending on the severity of, you know, whatever rule violation it was. So Tony did not do that. And that led us to the media scrum after all out. Um, I mean, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. You know, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised after the way in which Punk had behaved on August 17th. I mean, I'm not surprised that Tony Khan didn't have the backbone to call Punk into the office and tell him that if you do that again, you'll be suspended or fired, which is exactly what he should have done. And also, I think I said this a few weeks ago when we were talking about it, Punk for years has been banging, you know, he's been the victim. He plays the victim card. He's been playing that victim card for so many years, it's just tedious. Right, he's now the veteran. He's now the pro, the professional. He's the man who the media scrum was saying that he's tired of working with children. Well, he's the one who should. He's telling people he should grow up. Well, he's the one who should have been the grown up. He should have invited Hangman Adam Page, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks into his locker room or into a room with him and Tony Khan. He should have taken the lead if Tony Khan could not. And he should have had that conversation and said, listen, we just need, you know, we need to end this now. We need to bury the hatchet. We're all working for the same company. We all want, we all ostensibly want what's best for this company. So we need to find a way to get along. Let's let's air our differences. Let's work it out. The fact that he did that at a media scrum that was streamed, you know, ended up on YouTube. It's just the, the as far away from being a professional and a grown up as one could imagine. 
Yeah, I mean, I th- you're definitely right to be surprised about it because you could, I mean, people would not have thought it would go this far. No. And it's a whole, I mean, the thing is, I know that there is a, there is a comparison. I know you're going to say it's, this was nowhere near as bad, but I'm just bringing up the comparison of the general vibe. Of you know, people I've seen a lot of people mention Shawn Michaels in 1997 and the stuff that he would do, and him and Brett mentioning things on TV. And Vince didn't deal with that well, obviously, which is why we ended up at Survivor Series and we ended up the whole thing that happened there. But you know, if if that if there's a famous example of something like that happening, which we have in modern times, the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart stuff, learn from it. Yeah, learn from, and because the thing is, like Punk, he, he's in his forties. He is the world champion. And it's funny because so I had fully intended to come on this podcast and say, I after watching the main event of All Out, I actually I'm now in the camp where I thought the TV match was a good idea because I actually think there was more heat to the match than there would have been without it. I thought the, the match was really good. It's one of my favorite Moxley matches. And I thought the punk win was very good and the MGF appearance really worked. So I was all set to say that. The problem is this press conference annihilated any chat of All Out. Nobody's talking about it at all. Exactly. So, you know, or, or MJF's return. Or MJF, which is ironic that, you know, MJF walked out and stopped everyone talking about Wardlow. And now Punk's done this and nobody's talking about MJF. So is Punk going to be the next person to get the comeuppance when somebody steals a weekend from him for something stupid that they do? Um, it's just, it's wild. And obviously then it turned into a, a fight by all accounts from different reports that involved uh, so it, it involved Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks going to Punk's dressing room to yes. speak to him. There were, there were, there were obviously you know words exchanged, and there's different. Should we say there's different versions of events here of who started it, isn't there? Yes. So there's one version of events that if, so the people who are in CM Punk's corner say that the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega came in and started screaming and were very abusive, which led Punk and Ace Steel to feel they had to defend themselves and start a physical fight. But then the other side it says that what happened was the Young Bucks and Omega went in to speak to them, and then all of a sudden Punk and Ace Steel went physical. And the physical part of it is uh, CM Punk through a chair at Matt Jackson, and then, and then, I mean, this sounds like I'm making this up, the thing I'm about to say. Ace Steel was biting Kenny Omega. And I mean, I mean you know, you look at Ace Steel, and this is a guy who, and I don't really know a lot about. I don't know a lot about him. And I know he was, uh, you know, he trained CM Punk, and he's he's kind of prolific in the local Chicago scene. I think. Yeah, he was a Ring of Honor guy many moons ago, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's got this great gig because now you know he knows a lot of the guys in AEW. He's worked with a lot of them before, you know. And I'm sure for a guy in his, I assume he's mid forties as well, maybe late forties. Yep. This is a great gig working for AEW, and he has completely ruined that gig. Yeah, of course he has. But then here's the other thing. So say Tony Khan decides, because he's got to do something this week, right? Something has to happen. If he does nothing, then the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are already threatened to leave the company. So they might leave. And, you know, they are, you know, the hardcores love them. You know, they're, I'm not, this is a weird analogy to make, but they're almost like, you know, you, 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 you associate The Undertaker with WWF in the 90s, and I think you associate Young Bucks and Kenny Omega with AEW. I don't necessarily like them as much as I like The Undertaker, but you know you know what I mean. They're synonymous. If you get rid of them, your hardcore fans are going to be very annoyed that you've done that, or that they were made to leave. But then on the other side, if you don't do something... On the other side, if you... Say, say, say Tony Khan was to say, right, what I'll do is I'll fire Ace Steel, 
and I'll suspend CM Punk. That's what I'm yeah. going to do. Yeah. Punk will not accept that because you've created an environment where he's got the... In his mind, he'll say, so wait a minute, they're allowed to talk shit about me online and make it like I'm this monster. And then I just air my grievances, which you didn't shut down at any While point. you were sat next to me. Well, you were sat next to me. And then they come into my dressing room looking for a fight and you're going to fire my friend for defending me? That's going to be how he sees it. So and then, and then the, the funniest bit is, do you know who the voice of reason is in this whole thing? Chris Jericho. I mean, it's wild. <laughs> Jer- Jericho's coming out of the press conference and, you know, whispers to Tony, Sh- some shit's gone down. You, you need, you need, we need to deal with it. And he's like the, the locker room general. <sighs> We're in bizarre world. We really are. Uh, what, what do you, I mean, given what we know and what we've seen so far, what do you think is going to happen this week? Do you think Tony's going to do anything? Do you think he's going to try and just let it all, uh, you know, fizzle away and move on? What do you think his next move is? Oh, I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, and the thing is, is there any point really even making any recommendations? Because, I mean, we made recommendations a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not suggesting for a moment that he listens to this podcast, but we still went into some detail <laughs> as to how he should handle the August 17th um, situation, and that that didn't happen as we now know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cam was humiliated as he s- sat there next to Punk, I mean, he just looked like he wanted the ground to swallow him up. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, as soon um, as Punk went off on a tirade at Scott Colton, uh, Tony Khan should have just called a halt to the press conference. He should have recognised that this was turning very ugly, and then he should have just called a halt to it, just ended it right there, gone backstage with CM Punk and said, we're, you know, we're here to promote AEW. You know, this is a guy... You know, this is obviously a lawsuit situation, a friendship that ended many years ago. I don't really see the relevance to his title win. This pay-per-view and the future of AEW and what we're trying to achieve here, which is promoting you, promoting the championship that you've just won, uh, promoting your match with, you know, you've just beaten John Moxley, handing in, you know, this first proper lot. I think he said his first proper singles loss in the company or... Anyway, first, you know, it was a major victory for CM Punk. That should have been the thrust of the press conference. Not, you know, all these axes to grind and settling all these petty agendas. And I don't care who started all this, right? You know, we all have our heroes and our villains in our mind. We all have our narratives and we all, you know, choose our heroes and we choose our villains and we find ways to justify, you know, our beliefs as to why we are right and that person is in the... Is, is, is the good guy in this situation and that guy, that person is the bad guy because that's what I want to believe and I'll find evidence or I'll make up evidence in my own mind to support that. To me, all this should have been handled backstage. This should not be playing out in front of the world. You know, that is no. not the way this should go. And the fact that, as you said, we are now talking about this instead of the pay-per-view just illustrates you know, how toxic this interview has become and is and will be in future unless swift action is taken. Um, Tony Khan's going to have to make some very difficult decisions. I don't think he's got the backbone to do it. I don't think he's got the leadership qualities. 
I think the fundamental problem is I don't think he wants to make those difficult decisions because it's very difficult being the boss. Anyone who's never been the boss thinks it's really easy being the boss and being, you know, it's really easy to be the victim and play the victim card and express your grievances and blame someone else for all these problems that occur. You know, Tony is the main man. He's running this thing. You know, it's his family's money, you know, that launched AEW. He is the person who needs to sort this out, you know, and, you know, I really want to believe that he's going to, but that's going to require him doing something that will be extremely difficult, right? I'll, I'll tell you, but let's go back to 1992. Mm-hmm. Remember Vince, he had that stringent drug testing policy. He mm-hmm. genuinely wanted to rid his company of steroids and he received evidence that Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, who just recently lost the Intercontinental title, who just recently headlined SummerSlam 92, and the Ultimate Warrior, um, you know, one of Vince's, if not his biggest star, his number two star in the company, Vince found evidence that these two were um, taking a human growth hormone to be the um, uh, sidestep the drug testing policy, circumvent the drug testing policy. And what Vince did was he just fired them both. And that was a very, very difficult decision that he felt he had to made. He had to make because these two guys were violating company policy. And if he looked the other way, he turned a blind eye and a deaf ear, you know, to these flagrant rule violations by Bulldog and Warrior, then it would invite anarchy. It would send the wrong message in his locker room. You know, it would be a permissive society there. It would be... Well, if they can get away with it, so can we. And Vince did that at his at, at, to to his cost. You know, these were two of his biggest stars, and the company suffered as a result. But long term, it was the right decision because he sent the message to everyone in that locker room that he had a zero tolerance policy when it came to um, any type of performance enhancing drug um, that was illegal or was you know. He violated their company policy. Now, obviously, this is a different situation, but I think the principle is similar where you have to lay down the law. And if you don't, anarchy ensues. And this is what we saw happen on Sunday night on Sunday night when Punk went out there and went off on one on Scott Colton and uh, Hangman Adam Page. You know, he just after like knocking Colton, he just seamlessly transitioned into an into an assault on Page. He said, what did I ever do in this world to deserve an empty-headed, effing dumb F like Hangman Adam Page to go on national television and effing go into business for himself? For what? It just came from out of nowhere, Kenny. And he was obviously, you know, he's obviously venting. He's still raging about it. This took place months ago. Which like, and, and that's where and I'm not here. I'm not here defending CM Punk's uh, the way the way the the environment in which he chose to do it. But I've, I do wonder. It just feels like something has happened that we don't know about. Well, maybe, maybe. because it's like why would he? You know, he came back two weeks ago. He did the Page thing. I feel that there's something between when he did his retaliation to Page and now that things have escalated in a really bad way. You know, that '92 example with WWF is great and. The other example, the one I brought up earlier of 97, when Vince had to deal with Sean and Brett, and he didn't maybe deal with things as quickly as he should have, 
he eventually had to make a choice. He did. And he had to make a choice and he made one at Survivor Series 97, didn't he? Yeah, and, and to, if you're Tony Khan, make a choice when it's way less messy than a Survivor Series 97 kind of choice. Yes. Not that you would do that, but like, I mean, to me, it's just like, I mean, you know, this is a, I'm not comparing myself to Tony Khan, right? But being the boss is a hard thing to do, especially when, you know, like if I'm on tour, for example, and I'm the boss and I've got a crew and they're all my friends and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes I need to crack the whip and I need to be like, no, this is the way I want it done. No, I want this done. And they respect me enough. They know if I say no, I mean no. And we move on. But you have to kind of set that boundary because if you don't, then you and you're one of one of the you're just pals, then, you know, you don't get you don't get the work done that you need done. And, you know, I remember once there was a tour where there was somebody else on the tour and the the person was well, there was a couple of people and I'd heard there was a bit of a. You know, they were just complaining about something. And I, and I remember initially hearing, hearing that it happened going, well, I need to go and confront it. And I was like, wait a minute. They're allowed to complain. Like people, everybody complains about their boss or whatever. You know, you have a moan sometimes. And yeah, but have... all that, if that spreads, it's bad for morale, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, so, so, so you choose in the, in the moment of, you know, are they just having a moan or is it bad enough? You know, I'm sure if, I'm sure Tony can if he heard that like, I don't know. Uh, Evil Uno is not not very happy that he's not on Dynamite, right? I'm sure Tony Khan's not going to drop everything to go and you know speak to Evil Uno straight away. But if he hears that Evil Uno is so angry that he's going to leave the company, then Tony Khan might go and speak to him. You just need to figure out. And this is way bigger than anything that Tony Khan has had to deal with. And why he didn't sit down and speak to Adam Page and, and CM Punk and go, look, you both mucked up here. Yeah. You both did the wrong thing. I mean, because you're now at a point where it's Tuesday afternoon here, and they've they've announced that MJF is going to have a live mic on Dynamite. Nobody's talking about it. Like, not one. Nobody is talking about how MJF's got a live mic because the problem is MJF's whole gimmick and why he works so well is he does incorporate a lot of shit stuff into what he does. But when the world champion who's supposed to be MJF's babyface opponent has just shot you know on everybody now mgf just looks like you know i'm a, a, a duller part of the show yeah and now massively eclipsed by this and punks yeah it's supposed to be the baby face and somebody said to me they were like oh you know i mean somebody was like you know oh it's great to just hear cm punk saying all this shit and it's like right okay if you if that's how you feel and look i did get entertainment out of some of it i won't lie but I, regardless none of this stuff is going to be on tv so none of this stuff, if you're excited by it, is going to be on television because they're not going to get together. And, you know, I mean, if, if CM Punk and Adam Page and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega all get together and apologize and but fix it. We should point out that during the media, media scrum, Punk said we're far beyond apologies. Yeah. So he's he's basically said they're done. And then they obviously they have the fight. But if somehow they could all be professionals and go, right, you know, and Punk apologizes for what he did at the press conference. Page apologized for his initial thing. They all kind of get on the same page and they make some money out of it. Great. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're in that mind that mind space. And then to- the thing is, Tony Khan. I I felt sorry for him during the Punk bit because I was like, oh god. I mean, this poor guy's just in way over his head at this point. And then later on in the press conference, he's basically saying, you know. I'm annoyed that WWE put a pay per view on this weekend. Which look, they did put the pay per view on this weekend because they knew that. AEW had let's be, WWE always do stuff like that, but you're you're gonna get that. You have to just accept it. 
but, but, but it's not. But also, Kenny, can I just stop you there? It's actually totally different because we're all paying our monthly fee to either Peacock in the States or WWE Network in the UK. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter when the show takes place. Yeah, true. I mean, and, not- and his point, I think he was saying, you know, they, they, they by them doing a big show this weekend, you know, that can basically take away from us doing a big show. And I get that element of it, but you can't then, after you've just sat through 20 minutes of CM Punk saying all the stuff that he said, then be like, you know, I'm I'm annoyed at WWE for doing this and I've got way more money than you and, you know, I'm I'm this big, big player. When 20 minutes ago you were neutered by this this guy on your roster. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. well, listen, that's, well, I'm sure by Thursday there'll be more for us to uh, talk about. But let's get into Clash at the Castle, which we were at on Saturday at Principality Stadium. We'll obviously not spend as much time on the on the smaller matches, but overall, um, the the atmosphere, the vibe being there, what did you think of it, Finn? Um, oh, actually, can I just sort of say there's actually uh-huh. loads more that I would like to say about the CM Punk Media Scrum, like loads more, but I'm going to be writing about it in the magazine. You know, okay. I'm really kind of wound up about the way this all played out, like really wound up about it. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm going to state here whose side I'm on. Maybe <laughs> it's obvious, Kenny. I think I, mean, I think if people read between the lines, they may be able to work out. But let's let's tease yeah. them with the uh, magazine. Well, yeah, I'm going to write about it in the magazine, but there is just like so much about that that I would like to say here. But as you say, we need to get on to Clash at the Castle. Yeah. Um. So we we were in some really lousy seats, and then our seats were upgraded thanks to one K Macintosh. <laughs> we were in the first tier, uh, and you still really couldn't see a whole lot. <laughs> so for me, I'm certainly. I mean, you're watching it on the big screen above, uh, but it was an amazing atmosphere. I mean, I've got to say, what a amiable, vibrant, wonderful atmosphere on the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday just before we left. So many wrestling fans there and, you know, just a really, you know, good vibe. You know, it was a really good mood throughout. I met quite a lot of former Palestine readers and other people. We met up twice, I think it was. Um, so it was, you know, really good weekend for me to meet, you know, former Palestine readers, current ITR magazine readers, current listeners to this podcast. Um, and just the whole social aspect for me was the highlight of the trip, you know, going to the show because, you know, unless you were in like the first sort of six rows, I don't think the view was really that great. In fact, you were in the first six rows. Were you in row number three, Kenny? Yes, yes, we were, we were, we were uh, third row ringside. That's where third we were. row ringside. So that was, so I am obviously envious of you being third row ringside because <laughs> you would have had a tremendous view of the ring. Um, yeah, cool. Because I because I ended up so the week of the show, and I we there was seven of us, and we all booked these tickets for the the, the lower tier, and that was fine, and we were all good to go. And then I got I, I heard from somebody who I know who'd said, "Look, uh, how many of you are that's seven? Said, how would you like to sit third? Well, it was fourth row rings. This is funny actually. So it was fourth row rings, and I was like, oh, that'd be amazing. Like, thank you so much. You know, you know, offer to do any help for this person they ever need in their life. Um, and then I decided not to tell the guys until we got to Cardiff because I was like, I'm just going to leave it as a wee surprise. So then the day before, um, Jen was about to arrive. So I was like, I'll tell them when Jen arrives. We'll, we'll have a new drink. And then I get this notification on the Principality Stadium app that the, the seats had changed. 
And it was now, because we were going to be fourth row behind the announcers. And then we got moved to third row in the uh, like left of the announcers. Um, so I messaged the person going, is everything okay? Because I think we ended up with better seats than, than you'd said, but I don't want to... You know, I I don't want to take seats that aren't ours or whatever. And he was, oh no, it's just um, th- those seats were more camera friendly, and Bulldog's family were going to be there as well. Do you know what? <laughs> Bulldog's family deserved that for sure. Um, so then we get there and we go in, and uh, yeah, I mean, th- these ringside seats is it's wild. You get you get given this like bit of paper that's got like a ringside Wi-Fi, and then you can order drinks to your seat. It's just, I said, I actually said to the person I said you've ruined me now. <laughs> because because now it's like but it was it, the, the biggest thing for me to, about being ringside apart from obviously the fact that it was a very good view was there was so much interaction that the wrestlers did that I would never have known watching on TV or even sitting you know 20 rows behind or whatever because like Bailey's example Bailey was on the apron and somebody shouted Bailey I love you and she turned around and went, excuse me what did you say to me and she was playing up to people all the time and doing all this stuff. And that's something I've, I'd never noticed about, you know, you get to hear the exact insults or trash talk or whatever. So it was uh, it was, it was very nice. And then, I got, and then it was lovely to be able to get, you know, give the seats that we had to you guys and pay, pay it all forward. So Yes, absolutely. That's the trickle-down effect, Kenny. That's what it was. We got your hand-me-down tickets. <laughs> I mean, it's that makes me sound like an absolute arsehole. Yeah. And, um, and you know, as you say, you're now ruined. But then again, Kenny, you know, this this five-star service, I mean, this is what you've grown accustomed to in your life, isn't it? <laughs> Let's be honest. I know. mean, I, I will say, right, no, I, this is just a general... Oh, so, wait, so, so we sat down, right, and we were like, okay, we'll watch the show, and then about two matches in, we're like, okay, we're going to go to the bathroom. And we decided to go to the bathroom. So I've got a system that I do at events. It's always served me well. And it did not serve me well on this occasion. So what I'll do is I'll go, okay, when two wrestlers get in the ring, and I know it's going to be like a long match, when the bell rings after the entrances, I'll go to the bathroom then, right? Because usually people are still going to be at their seats. You get in and out, you're back in like three minutes, four minutes. So I stupidly chose to do that for Gunther and Sheamus. And I go to leave the floor area. This security guy said, go over to that bit, up the stairs, and that's where you go. So I go over, go up the stairs, go to the toilet, come back down. I did about three and a half minutes. That was all good. And this stupid Karen security guard said, where are you going? I said, I'm going back to my seat. She said, if, if you come out this way, you need to walk around. I said, do you want me to walk around the whole stadium? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Why would you? And she was being really pissy about it. And I was very aware that we'd been given these tickets. So I didn't want to kick up a fuss. And I was going, do you realise how stupid a policy that is? I was like, we, now that we know, of course I won't come and come this way again, now that you told me. But your colleague told us to come here. And she went, oh, it's only a one-minute walk. No, it was not a one-minute. It was like a nine-minute walk. Wow. So we got back as Seamus was, she, was doing the chops on the apron. So we missed like half the match, which <laughs> obviously watched back in the end. But um, that was that was obviously annoying. And then the drink selection at the stadium, not very good. It was either cider, beer, wine, or soft drinks. No vodka, Finn. No vodka, Kenny. No spirits. I mean, now, well, luckily, is, we were all in the spirit. Now, that is not the service to which you're in- accustomed. You <laughs> need, like, like, what, four or five brands to choose from? You didn't even have one? 
Just, just one, just a bit of Smirnoff, you know. Just, just, just the old council one would be fine. Um. Anyway, so enough about my skybox tendencies. Um, Clash at the Castle. Um, we open. They opened the show. The main show. They had a pre-show match with uh, Madcap Moss and the Street Profits beating uh, Theory and Alpha Academy. Star-studded paper- pre-show match. Yeah, really, really good fun. People were really into it. Really, really liked it. And then the opening match to the, the, the show was Bianca Belair asking Alexa Bliss against Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai. They ended up going uh, just under 19 minutes. And in the end, Bailey and her team got the win with Bailey getting the pin on Bianca Belair, which is the first pinfall loss for Bianca Belair in 2022. Uh, what did you make of the opener? How do you think they did? Yeah, I thought they did really well. I mean, I thought, you know, all the fans were doing the Hey Bailey thing, which they had done back in, was it 2015, I think it was, at the takeover? Yes, yeah, the December London takeover, yeah. That's it. Well, she was a babyface back then, so, I mean, that worked. And she was trying very hard to quell it, wasn't she? She was trying to, like, you know, shut that one down, but it just <laughs> never ended. But, I mean, she worked that into her, into her act. So, I mean, she's very confident, very well-versed at dealing with audiences, as you just said there, with that person who yells, I love you, Bailey. She, what? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I thought it was really well put together. I mean, a really slow-building match. Perfect ending. You know, in my mind, I was like, it's got to be a Bailey pin because it's got to be Bailey Bianca at Extreme Rules on October 8th. It has to be. So they haven't and didn't obviously they didn't announce that on Raw. Well, maybe that won't be obvious to those who haven't watched Raw, but they did not announce Bailey versus Bianca Belair at Extreme Rules. But I am confident the match will take place there. But uh, yeah, I thought it was very well put together. They didn't rush anything. I thought everyone had a really good night. And um, I'm actually I haven't watched it back yet on the network. I'll be doing that right after we finish this recording. Hmm. And when I got back from Clash, it took me like nearly all day to get home on Sunday. Um, so I watched SmackDown yesterday. And then I had to finish my Q&A column. Actually, really good Q&A this month. Thanks to everyone who sent questions in, by the way. Some really interesting questions there. So I haven't actually then had to watch Raw, of course. Then mm-hmm. some AEW. So I haven't actually got around to watching Clash at the Castle again in its entirety. I watched some of it and it looked amazing on the yeah. network, Kenny. It looks so good. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed the six man from what I from what I could see of it. I thought it was a very professional match with the uh, with the ideal outcome. Yeah, I and I I felt really, really happy for in particular. Io Sky and Dakota Kai, who are, um, you know, you tell this means a lot to them that they're now, you know, main roster on you know, on a big show like this. So very happy for them. Um, so then we had a, a shot of Tyson Fury in the crowd. Uh, then we had a recap video of the SummerSlam '92 match with uh, Davy Boy and Bret Hart, and we saw Bret in the crowd. I should say Bret actually when he so he came out. They brought him out right after the opener, and he stayed for the whole night. Watched oh, the did he? Show. Wow. Right. So, um, he looked very happy. He looked, um, which is rare for Brett. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he'd actually been part of, a, by all accounts, an absolute shambles earlier that day with the WrestleFest convention. Yeah, I which... did hear about that. I believe that uh, Nick Aldis and Mickey James are going to offer free photos for anyone attending the 1PW comeback show. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I think is it October first that I think it is. Yeah, October first, October second. I think it's a double double header or something. Yeah, yeah it is what that, that return of one PW. 
Yeah, new ownership. Um, because I'm I'm uh, I'm sharing RVD with him. I was making sure I was like, it better be new owners, because otherwise I'm not doing it. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So there was a whole thing with uh, loads of complaints. Loads of people didn't yeah. get their uh, photos with Brett and stuff. So I think and Tyson Fury was there as well. So I think there was very angry talent that there was so many people outside and so many people upset about it. But. Brett was there. We got the video package for the Intercontinental title match with Sheamus and Gunther. And as um, Sheamus came out with the, the brawling brutes, and then Gunther came out with Ludwig Kaiser and also Giovanni Vinci, former Fabian Eichner, who is now with them. They have reformed Imperium. Imperium. Um, and we get that big brawl with the four kind of, you know, secondary people in this situation. Um, as Gunther and Sheamus just stand there and not moving. And then Gunther and Sheamus have this almost 20-minute match that was just so great. It was, you know, Sheamus' best match. Maybe Sheamus' best match. Like, he just, yeah. it was... And, you know, have you, do you ever remember a time, Finn, when Sheamus was this over? No, no, I don't. I mean, he's um, I mean, he's a guy who's always been sort of second from the top. And... Um, you know, best and quite a lot of the time mid card. And I always, I mean, he's actually had a really good career. You know, I think he's somebody who realizes what his role is and he's very happy playing that supporting role, which is obviously the one he's been in for most of his career, apart from when he was briefly champion during the, uh, the Cena feud and obviously won Royal Rumble as well in when was that? 2011, was it? 2012, he won. 2012, 2012, that's it. He was only on the cover of one issue of Power Slam, and that was after he won Royal Rumble. That issue did not sell well. Hence, <laughs> he was never on another cover. But I, I mean, I've always been a fan of his. I think he's a really hard worker. I think he looks great. He's in, he's in his like, what is he now, 42, 43, I think he is. And um, I mean, but you'd never believe it looking at him. And this match, yeah, hacked back to. Um, Gunter's or Walter is what as he was at the time his match with uh, Dragonoff at the NXT event last year. Yes, it was kind of similar to that, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Where they were really laying into each other, and um, but yeah, what a match! And I think it was the right decision having Gunter retained. It's too soon for him to lose the belt. I think he's doing a really good job um, restoring the prestige to that championship. I think this match. You know, in many ways, I think they were trying to impress the person who were trying to impress more than any other was probably Bret Hart. Probably. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he was impressed by what he saw. Most other people were. I mean, it was a hell of a battle. Those guys were really going for it. After Gunter won, Sheamus was in the ring. He really milked the reaction, but he didn't have to try too hard to provoke a response because he had a lot of love, a lot of respect in Principality Stadium. And um, you know, it almost feels like, can, is he going to do a heel turn? Uh, sorry, a face turn from that? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, maybe maybe the Brawling Brutes will turn full-throated baby face this week on SmackDown, Kenny. Um, you would think that yeah. you know, Giovanni Vinci, who I've gushed about before on this podcasting, is a real talent. I'm pleased to see him on the main roster now. And it does seem to set up a six-man match, um, like some type of brawling match at the Extreme Rules event, doesn't it? This edition. Yeah, I feel. I mean, I feel like we're gonna we're, we're actually gonna have a very good autumn, uh, maybe into winter with these these six. 
and sort of their matches, you know, and, and, and various, and, you know, tag team matches, trios matches, singles. And if, if it's like this, bring it on. Um, yeah. I'm going to make a prediction, uh, Finn. Please do. I, Please I, do. Think, I think by the end of 2022, Butch is quietly renamed Pete Dunne. Yeah, well, on SmackDown last week, he was wearing the Pete Dunne gear, mm-hmm. you know, the Pete Dunne hair. He was unfortunately going back to the finger-breaking gimmick, Kenny. I've never been happy with that spot. It's never made any sense to me, but he's <laughs> resurrected that one. And it was very much, yeah, the old Pete Dunne, even though he's still known as Butch. Um, but, yeah, this was a, a stature enhancer for everyone. And, you know, I think this match, the quality of the match and the response to it brings us one step closer, Kenny, to that Gunter Brock Lesnar match. Maybe we'll get that at WrestleMania next year. Yeah, maybe we will. I mean, it's it's funny because with, with Gunther, it's like, you know, we've talked about him for so long and about what would happen if he came to the main roster. And there's that, you know, appalling burial of him in that Survivor Series match in 2019 that, yep. he, that he had under Vince. And yeah. I think, unfortunately, I think under, and I'm not being like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but I think under Vince, he would never have really succeeded because I just don't think Vince would have, seen in him what everybody else sees in him. I think he would have just kind of, he'd have been okay, but I think under Triple H, he's going to be one of the biggest success stories because he gets to kind of be him. Yeah. You know, even in media, you know, we, we were interviewing him over the weekend and I said to him, you know, how do you feel about Triple H uh, being in charge as opposed to Vince and the fact that you've got history with him? And he just, he had such a baller answer when he just said, you know, it doesn't really matter to me who's in charge because no matter who's in charge, it's not going to define me being good at my job. I'll be good at my job, whoever's in charge. CM Punk, take note. <laughs> um, and I even, you know, so he was just, it was great to see him have this. And also, I think the appetite now is there for Sheamus to be the IC champion eventually. I know that they could have done it here, but I think the appetite's definitely still there for that. And even when, you know, when Gunther did the first powerbomb and it, it didn't really hit, you know, it, it wasn't like Seamus then acted dead from it. They kind of went from that and was like, okay, it didn't really work that well. I'll go a bit sooner. They played into it. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, a tremendous match. Maybe yeah, match of the night. And I, I know people have been talking about it, but um, it's up there with one other match. Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler for the SmackDown Women's title. Now, did you see, Finn, that there is rumours that Liv Morgan was paying homage to Sensational Sherry's SummerSlam 92 gear in this one? Yeah, I think she was. So what? I what a great was. move! Yeah, I think she was with that with that white outfit that she was wearing, and um, you know, and but Sherry was just part of a comedy match between Rick Martel and Shawn Michaels, and she was there ringside, and you know, don't hit each other in the face, you know, you'll spoil your good looks. So, I mean, Sherry was kind of in a comedy role, wasn't she, at SummerSlam Night Two, and Liv was. She was the main attraction. She was the SmackDown Women's Champion defending against Shayna Baszler. I mean, it was probably the, you know, the weakest match of the night. But, I mean, they were following, I mean, what they had to follow. I mean, that was a tough act to follow, Gunter versus Sheamus, because it had been such a hard-hitting battle. I mean, they showed on the big screen, didn't they, during the show, uh, Sheamus's chest later on, the state that he was in, all, like, marked up from the chops. So they were put in a tough spot. Um, and... Um, you know, I don't think they really blew anyone away with the match. I thought it was okay. I thought it was decent. Uh, I'm still waiting for Baszler 
to have that match, you know, to have that standout match on the main roster hasn't happened yet. I mean, I will say to defend to defend Shayna, I don't think she was ever going to be able to have that with Liv. No, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, Liv's somebody who I think she's got maybe about another four to six weeks. She's got quite a short window of opportunity before Charlotte Flair returns and reclaims that belt. And if she's going to hold that belt beyond Survivor Series, she's going to have to start showing more. And she does some things well, um, but I don't really feel like she's a complete wrestler yet. You know, I think she's still, there's still shortcomings, there's still holes in her repertoire. She does a really good drop kick, and I think the matches are solid, but to me, they're not championship level. You know, you couldn't, it's hard to imagine Liv Morgan headlining an episode of SmackDown, is it, Kenny? Yeah. No, no, you're right. I mean, I, I said this to you when we were at the pub. I think that for me, the thing with, with Liv is that, and because Cornette had said this and it really stuck with me when he said it, he said that, you know, she's she knows how to do the moves well, like she's learned that, but she's very much choreographed and she's remembering the moves that she's got to do in the order she's got to do them. Yeah. And she's so focused on that that she rushes through a lot of stuff. So the yeah. pacing isn't really there. And then... Especially in a match with Shayna, where Shayna's a very slow, methodical type of wrestler and lives rush, lives quite fast because she's trying to get everything in. Uh, I think it just wasn't designed to be, you know, much uh, much of a match. And then Shayna Baszler's taking Ronda Rousey's makeup artist. <laughs> I mean, if, if anyone sees Ronda Rousey's makeup artist, I urge you to run in the opposite direction as fast as you can. Yeah. No good can come of it. Um, no. But what can come from good? Oh, oh, can we just sort of just a quick mention of Ronda Rousey's performance on SmackDown last week with Adam Pearce? I thought she, she was. Well. I thought that was her best non-in-ring. Well, I know she she ended up attacking Pearce at the end, but her, that was her best segment since she returned, and she had such a smirk, and she looked like she was having a great time in that segment, and none of it felt forced. It all felt natural. I think Pearce is. You know, criminally underrated, Kenny. I don't think I've ever, really... I've been meaning to put Adam Pearce over for ages and just never get round to it. And I thought he was outstanding uh, in that segment. And uh, But, yeah, Ronda almost felt like, is she now a tween or is she a heel? I mean, fans were just cheering her. And she feels like she's finally... She's finally right. remembered how to do the job. <sighs> Only took her nine months, eight months. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully it parlays into something good uh, in a match series. Um, Finn Balor and Damian Priest came out for the match with Edge and Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio came out with Dominic. Rey got a good reaction, but Edge got a monster reaction, which he was uh, very, very pleased about. Finn, as I'm sure you can imagine, because they gave him a, a sort of like a hometown hero welcome. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this was why he had to turn face. He wasn't working as a heel. He's the veteran who came back after nine years on the shelf. No one wants to boo Edge at this point in his life or his career. So it was the right decision to for him to revert to babyface dumb when he did. And, um, yeah, you could see he was he was touched by the response from the audience. Who wouldn't have been, Kenny? Who wouldn't have been? by uh, an ovation of that magnitude. But I thought this was a, a really good match as well. I mean, the consistency of the show, Kenny, was kind of astounding. You know, it was tremendous, wasn't it? Such a consistent show. Mm -hmm. And a real good slow builder as well. Like the, 
the arrangement of the matches. You know, they they had the Shayna and Liv after the Sheamus and Gunter war, so it was almost like almost like a bit of a buffer match. You know, tough spot for them, but it was it was it was the perfect placement for that match to set up the reaction for the tag match that we are now reviewing. And I think that the match, you know, the the match worked so well because what obviously played out at the end of it was the heel turn by Dominic after Rey Mysterio and Edge got the win. And one of the things that I noticed being so close to to in, 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 at ringside is I, I kept watching Dominic uh, at the end just in case he was going to do something. And he played it so well because he celebrated with him and he was very happy that they won. But then there's a moment where they celebrate without him. And, you know, he also, because also remember, he actually was the reason that they won because Balor went up for the coup de grace and it was Dom who got involved to cause the distraction, which then caused Rhea Ripley to just lamp him one like like it was a, a pub fight at a Witherspoons. And, um, and you know, we, so we, we we got that and then uh, and then in Rain Edge wins. So then they're celebrating without Dom and, you know, there's like a guy, he feels slighted. And then we get that kick fin. The kick oh. to the... The kick to the balls of Edge. And Edge sold it like, you know, he's just been killed in a Highlander movie or something. Yeah. Um, and then Rey Mysterio is there kind of going, oh, what did you do, son? Why did you do it? And then he follows that with taking out Rey Mysterio as well. And, I mean, no, he doesn't take, he, he, he clotheslines him after initially pretending like he's not going to do anything. Um and you know, then judgment they are just laughing, Finn Balor's cackling. Um great, great heel turn for him. And I think the, the timing actually worked out. You know, sometimes when you I think it had been left too long, but I think actually the way they've done it works out. Um so I'm glad that the, the turn was uh, executed well. How did it how did the heel turn work for, for your section when it happened? Yeah, I thought it was very well done. I mean, it was perfect the that the baby faces would win. So you had that, you know, false sense of security that's you know, huge elation in the stadium. Oh, the faces have won. Oh, this is tremendous. All is right in the world. The villains have received their comeuppance. They're bad people. They deserve to lose. Blah, 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 blah. And then we had the Dom turn. And it was just like the mood did a 180, didn't it? It's like, boom. You know, people like couldn't believe it. Well, I called it, Kenny. My, well, I might not have called. Did I call it last week that it was going to happen this weekend? You know you what? Did, you, called... you did call it. You called it and then you said, I don't know if I should call it because I've called it before. But you exactly. did Exactly. I was just going to say that then. I mean, yeah, I've got it wrong enough times in the past. <laughs> they say, you know, as they say, a stop clock is uh, right twice a day. So eventually I was going to be right about that one. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, um, I thought it was going to happen and it was the perfect time to do it. And as we saw on Raw, we'll be talking about this on Thursday. Dominic came out with the Judgment Day. He's a fully paid up member now. Um, yeah, re- really good match and um, and just tremendous angle over uh, angle afterwards. It was so over. You know, Dom immediately got booed. You know, if there was any concern at all about whether he was going to get that response, well, this was the setting to do it in where Edge was so over and so popular. It was the perfect night on which to turn Dominic heel. Very well done by all by uh, all involved. Uh, then we had uh, the Seth Rollins against Matt Riddle match as the uh, semi-main. Um, we had Rollins doing Randy Orton stuff. Uh, it was a, a, a hot match that the crowd were really into. 
Um, and in the end, Seth Rollins actually got the win. Um, they did a pretty good job, I thought, here of kind of keeping the crowd going. And it was quite strange to see Riddle, Matt Riddle. Uh, I've just got used to saying Riddle, and now he's back to Matt Riddle. Um, but he, I, I was surprised to see Rollins win, but I guess they both kind of needed the win. So, you know, somebody had to win. But uh, what did you make of this match? Yeah, I mean, it was another good match. I mean, I thought Rollins would win because um, I know afterwards Riddle challenged Rollins to a rematch. Um, and Rollins said, you know, I'm moving onwards and upwards. He's talked about Roman Reigns several times. Um, so, I mean, that's apparently where Seth Rollins sees his future in a rematch with Reigns for the for the championships. Um but I mean, I think Riddle and Rollins will have one more match at Extreme Extreme Rules. I'm not sure what the rules will be. Um, maybe that'll be the night that Randy Orton returns. I'm not sure. Actually, they've gone rather cold on Orton lately, haven't they? They kept bringing him up. You know, Riddle was constantly talking about Orton, and now he never, now he he just doesn't mention him anymore. He's just more concerned with his own career, and uh, he's he's more serious character that he's playing, which he obviously needs to portray if he's going to be a top guy next year, which I think he will be. Uh, but yeah, enjoyed the match. Thought it was very well done. Um, Rollins, you know, he had the audience, didn't he? Uh, humming his tune or chanting his tune at various <laughs> points in the match. So, I mean, I don't think it really matters so much that Rollins had that support. And I think he's always going to have that support in WWE because he's such a veteran there. I mean, 10 years on the main roster uh, come November, isn't it? For Rollins, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's such a consistent guy. He's so talented. And, you know, this character, the cackling. I mean, we've all kind of accepted it now, haven't we? We we sort of hope, we sort of wish that it was better than it is. But I think we've all accepted that this is as good as it's going to get. And this is Seth Rollins now. And we've, you know, we just said, well, here he is. The character's, you know, kind of weak and you know, just not really that believable, but he's so damn good in the ring that we're going to respect him anyway because we've just got to because he's so damn good in the ring. Um, but yeah, I, en- I enjoyed the match. I thought it was the right outcome as well because I want to see Riddle-Rollins one more time and had Riddle won, there it would not have necessitated a rematch. That would have been the end of the feud. So I want to see them go at it one more time. I'm not sure what stipulation is going to be attached, but I think there will be a match at Extreme Rules. Um, and I'm looking forward to that as well. So, yeah, yeah, you know, another really good match. I mean, this show up until this point, Kenny, was for WWE. Home run. say show of the year, because, I mean, WrestleMania was obviously amazing. But, I mean, apart from WrestleMania, show of the year, I would say. So then it comes to the main event, and we got, uh, you know, a, a great, um, you know, we had Drew coming out with, um, we had the Broken Dreams song that he brought back for one night as an intro. Um, he then came out with it. Without a jacket, which I thought was quite strange. It's like, you know, the biggest match of your career and you're not on a, a jacket, but maybe there was a reason. Maybe it you know, got lost in transit or something. Um, so he comes out, then Roman comes out. It was quite strange that, you know, it's this big fight feel. And I almost wonder if they could have just got Heyman back in time for this so that, you know, he had Sunday from the bloodline there. Yeah. Because um, with no Usos and no Paul Heyman, it just kind of felt a bit like, we're not getting the full bloodline experience. Yes. Um, That's it. But then it all sort of made sense at the end, didn't it? Yeah, it did make sense at the end. So we had the match, and I mean, I, I will be honest, about say about six or seven minutes into the match, I had a feeling Drew wasn't going to win. 
because for the first kind of six or seven minutes, Drew was just dominant the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And Reigns thought, was retreating and he was just doing all his heel stuff, wasn't he? Yeah. So it was just, I mean, but the match, I mean, the crowd were so into this match. They were, you know, biting for every fall. It was all just great stuff. They went 30 minutes and, I mean, it's hard for me. I've not watched this one back on TV live. It did not feel like 30 minutes. Uh, I'm curious if on TV it did feel a little bit long or if it felt just right time-wise, but um, I guess we'll see once we've watched it. But, um, we, so, <clears throat> Carrie and Cross was at ringside with Scarlett and also Tyson Fury's there, so you're kind of like, who's going to get involved? What's going to happen? Oh, we should mention, well, Adrian Street and Miss Linda had been... Yes, they were, they were announced there as well. Shown. Great to see them there. Yeah, they, and they actually they had a T-shirt of theirs on sale at the Superstore. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, uh, and then we, there was a ref bump for Charles Robinson. This allowed uh, uh, Austin Theory to run out. He runs out with the briefcase. He's going to cash in. And as he goes to cash in, Tyson Fury knocks him out, which was just a great spot. Then Reigns grabs a chair. And uh, as he goes to use it, McIntyre lands the Claymore. The new ref's there. And it was a two count. It was, you know, I, I thought that was it. I thought that was it. I thought that was it. I was like, I was getting kind of kind of moved by the whole thing because mm-hmm. I convinced myself that Drew was winning because it was inconceivable to me that he would lose this match. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, this is going to be big. This is going to be one of those moments that we'll never forget. Sorry, Kenny, keep on going. Yeah. <laughs> um, which would have been great if that is what we... So it's a two count, then they keep fighting. Reigns has Superman punch. Then McIntyre gets a spear, and then McIntyre goes for the Claymore. He gets it, he hits it. You think, this is it. One, two, and a secret person broke it up with a hood up, and it ended up being Solo Sokoa from NXT, the Uso's brother. Um, he then causes a distraction. Reigns hits the spear on Drew. One, two, three. Roman Reigns retains <clears throat> the Undisputed Universal title um, and leaves with Solo Sokoa. Crowd are very deflated. Now, what's funny is ringside, Tyson Fury and his family left at the end of the match. And then about 10 crew or security had to run and get him to get him <laughs> back. Because <laughs> he still had something to do. So um oh, see, Tyson. So he comes back. Um I mean it was only up, like one of the biggest things on the show, wasn't it? Yeah, and he just forgets. So he comes in, he shakes hands with Reigns, then he goes down to get to McIntyre. I mean, why did he shake hands with Reigns? I know, unreal. So you're going to I shake mean, the hands of the guy who cheated to, to win. win? To beat the guy from Scotland. Do you know why Do you know why he shook his hands? Because he's a muppet. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't he, know what he's doing. He doesn't, right. he has he doesn't. no clue. He was dressed like he was going to spar to buy some bog roll. Yeah. yeah like, that's, where he used, that's where he used to buy his bog rolls in Bolton Sands, uh, actually before the spar shut. What happened was, Kenny, was they opened a co-op and the spa went out of business. There you go. He used to buy his bog rolls from the spa in Botley Sands and probably wore those clothes when he went and bought them. Sure he did. Um, so then, now this next bit, I was convinced was off air. That if you were. I was convinced this was, bef- you know, but this was all on, on, on the show where Fury said, you know, you should be proud of yourself, chin up. And then he sings American Pie as everyone sings along, including Drew. And then Drew sort of thanks Cardiff for showing the world what we're made of in the UK, 
says he'll get those titles, but then leads the audience into Oasis, don't look back in anger, and we go to end the show. So I will say for me, right, and this is just my personal thing, so I know this won't work for everybody else, Tyson Fury is a known homophobe who has doubled down on it various times and said things that, like gay people are paedophiles. So he is not, to me, the feel-good ending of a show. I know that a lot of people like him, and his whole rags-to-riches story is, is good for people, but that was always going to... I actually thought the punch though with Austin B was great. I love that. I yeah, it, it looked really tremendous. Yeah, it looked like spot. really. I'm sure he really did nail him. I mean, hopefully it was Theory who did most of the running into the hand, and yeah. rather than Fury <laughs> throwing the hand. <laughs> um, but the uh, but the the thing. So for me, it's like Roman wins. They they did they did protect Drew and they did have Solo there or whatever. But then to have, you know, Drew's just lost the biggest match of his life and he's just singing two minutes later on pay-per-view was weird. Um, but this is divided opinion, Finn, on whether, you know, does does it hurt the show that Drew didn't win? Does it make it any less memorable? Talk me through your thoughts on the route they decided to go here. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely does. And, um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was a twisting, turning, you know, I don't know, I, I, I'm hesitant to use the word masterpiece because McIntyre did not win. And had McIntyre won, it would have been huge news. It would have been, you know, there would have been tears rolling down people's faces, Kenny. Probably yours as well. You know, I can just, you know, I can just, <laughs> just imagine the reaction from certain members of the ITR crew. But no, seriously, it would have been a very, I think it would have been a very emotional moment for a lot of people had Drew won. So I, I was really disappointed that he didn't win and still am. And um, I just feel like they kind of blew it there by not giving him the belts. And Roman had just Roman had just had his two year celebration. I mean, it's not like he's going to hold the belt longer than Bruno, is it? Or even Bob Backlund. He's probably not going to hold it longer than Hogan. You know, his first reign. So you know, at this point, does it really matter that he holds the belt continuously for like? two and a half years or three years. He's not going to hold those, or sorry, belts, plural. He's not going to hold those belts for four years. He's just not going to. So why, to me, I think they should have done the title change at this show and possibly put the belts back on Roman and Extreme Rules. I don't really care how long, as long as he held the belts for a, like five weeks minimum. Yeah, to, to, to me, I mean, we, we're going to sound, right? Rightly or wrongly, we're going to sound like British people who wanted the British guy to win. Yeah, right? like we're flag-waving here. Yeah, but but that's not what it is because in reality, what they could have done, which would have been perfect, was to have Drew win here, have this moment. It had been replayed for years and years and years. Yeah. It's, it's the, 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 the flag to sort of fly for all future UK shows. And then Extreme Rules have Roman do one arena show if he can bear himself to do it. And then do this finish there. Yeah, with Solo Sokoa. Um, because Drew Drew's not the guy, right? We know Drew's not the guy. We know he's not the guy to be the undisputed universal champion for a long time. But at the same time, you got this guy to this point, he doesn't win. What does he do now? What does he do now? Exactly? And then with Roman, it's like, because, I mean, Sandra did bring up a point where she said, you know, are they not trying to have Roman now beat Pedro Morales' record or something? Well, but, maybe, I mean, but Pedro's not really... he's. He's a guy, Bruno is somebody that I think a lot of people can relate to who never saw him when he was in his prime. And obviously most fans in the UK never saw Bruno in his prime because WWF didn't arrive in this country until, what was it, 87, I think it was, when 
you know, it was on Saturday afternoons once a month. So, I mean, Bruno was a commentator by that point. So, but I mean, Pedro, I mean, who really in this country has got an emotional attachment to Pedro? I mean, possibly some people have. I certainly haven't. Um, and to me, it just, it just felt like a blown opportunity. And it's like, you know, even if he holds the belt for three years, it's not going to be anywhere near as long as Bruno's reign, is it? So, you know, what are you really hoping to achieve by extending it? Um yeah, it was sorry, Kenny. I just completely cut you off there. But it, to me, it just it just felt. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you because what I said to Sandra was, I'm not sure if the general wrestling fan, WWE fan, UK, US, whatever you're from, I don't think if say Roman and Rock's the WrestleMania match. Yeah, I don't think if you're sitting at WrestleMania, you're going, oh, this this means nothing because Roman lost it for a month in October or September. Like it me, it doesn't matter. It is. Now it's like because what you also could have is Roman could have said, "I lost because I didn't have my bloodline. I didn't have my 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 wise man. I didn't have people behind me or whatever." And then that could be the impetus for him to bring Solo to court in. Um, exactly, and also it, it would have made I think it would have made Roman Reigns a more interesting character because it would have shown there was a you know there was a kink in the armor that he could be beaten, you know. And I think that would have because I think he's reached the point now where he's he's invincible. He's like, you know, he'll probably say on Friday, who's left? Maybe it'll be Braun Strowman, but we've already seen that match. Is there going to be really that much of an appetite for Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns? I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, Karrion Cross versus Roman Reigns, I'm not excited about that match either. And I've got to say, I'm not, I don't want to see Roman Reigns face The Rock at WrestleMania next year. I'm not interested in seeing The Rock in the ring ever again. And but even if they even if they do it right, so say Roman, I mean, so in theory Roman is only really going to be on two pay per views between now and WrestleMania. He's going to be at the Rumble and he's maybe going to be at the Saudi one, whenever that is. So that that's what we've got to look forward to for the the world title to WrestleMania, and then at yeah. WrestleMania it's The Rock, and then you're in a position where either way, if The Rock wins, how is he's not going to wrestle full time? And then if Roman wins, he's beaten everybody. I mean, the only thing I will say is I did see somebody come up with a theory which I think would be interesting, which would be that night one of WrestleMania is Rock and Roman, and Roman wins. And night two is Cody and Roman, and Cody's won the Rumble and he wins the belts. That could be interesting if they do like a something like that. But even then, are they going to do that? Um, and would, would all the kind of top tier wrestlers do for the next six months? What are they fighting yeah. for? Yeah. So yeah. I think I think the best tweet I saw was somebody who had said that the the main di- I don't think I don't think the, the result means Clash of the Castle the castle was all of a sudden a terrible show. But if Drew had won, it would have been a, a thing we talk about for 20, 30 years. It would. Now, it would have been it would have been akin to Davy Boy Smith defeating Bret Hart at SummerSlam ninety two. But instead this will be forgotten in eighteen months. No. Yeah. Pretty much. Once yeah, once yeah. the next one's been like that's the way it's gonna be. So yeah. um, I mean I, I think WWE got away with it. I mean they wouldn't have got away with beating Davy at SummerSlam 92. I think there would have been the fans would have been in open revolt had that happened because it was a different mindset and kayfabe still existed in people's minds back then. So I think I think I don't think they've ruined the territory. I don't think they've harmed it really in one iota. I think everyone who was there probably felt like they got value for money, 
probably will attend a WWE show in future when they return and probably is looking forward to watching Extreme Rules next month. So I don't think they harm themselves, but I think they would have enhanced Drew massively had they given him the belts. And most importantly of all, they would have given us that moment as fans. That moment of this guy, okay, he's not Welsh, he's from Scotland, but he's from the UK, defeating Roman Reigns on UK soil, you know, for these two championships, we could have had, you know, all the pyro, it could have been this huge celebration, you know, Drew possibly could have been invited on all the TV programs the next day, you know, that actually he probably, I mean, he could have, he could probably have appeared with Tyson Fury. I think it would have been an, you know, an outstanding way of reaching a new audience, a new mainstream audience, you know, with Drew there with the belts, with Tyson Fury saying, oh, what a great performance he did. You know, he did himself proud, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? But that there is something that, you know, Drew with the belts and Tyson Fury, pretty much any mainstream TV show would be delighted to welcome those two on for a five-minute spot, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, it's, it's funny because, I mean, Look, we've 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 buried Tony Cannon up on this podcast already, right? But one thing he did do is he had the big CM Punk match in Chicago for the title, and the hometown guy won. And that was, I mean, at that point before he turned he on the press conference, that was what you do: you you build it and you make the hometown person get get the thing. And it's like Drew was just Drew was way more obvious even than a Punk win in Chicago. It was like you get two years invested in this. You've got the whole. COVID happening and then the, the empty arena WrestleMania and all this stuff and they just decided not to do it and I think the thing that was disappointing was I feel like if this had happened you could have sat and went look at look at what they do now they don't they don't take the, the road out of, of something they give you the big moment that you want yeah Um. and for the people who criticised WWE this was just another thing for them to go yeah same old shit really isn't it and that was what that ending kind of made you feel like a little bit so even though it's it not he did, yeah. I mean, I did feel really quite deflated for Drew and really for for the fans and really just for that, you know, that moment, having experienced it, witnessed it at SummerSlam 92 at the old Wembley Stadium. And it was just, you know, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, certainly, you know, from a live event perspective. And you thought, well, Drew could have had that moment as well. And he would have gone into it with his eyes open. He would have known that it was only going to be fleeting. It was only going to be temporary and that Reigns would regain the belts, you know, five weeks later. But that wouldn't matter because he would have had that moment. And he didn't. He was deprived of that. And I think it was, I think it's a shame for him. And it's a shame for, for really for, you know, for, for his fans. Um, and also, I mean, I mean, I just think it would have been a magical scene, a magical scene had he had he been stood there on the uh, on the turnbuckles with holding up both titles and Tyson Fury was there applauding him and it would have been a mainstream news item, Kenny. That's what it and would I have honestly, been. And I honestly don't think any fan would feel any less into the Roman Reigns character and experience at WrestleMania if... If if he had this one month, yeah, there. if there'd been an, an interruption, so um, exactly. But, I mean, I mean, because Drew's not needed until Friday on SmackDown, so he could have done the TV in like Cardiff the next or Wales the next day, the local TV. He could have gone to London later that day. Could have gone up to Scotland, done the TV in Scotland. 
mm-hmm. you know, he, I mean, there would have been so many opportunities to promote WWE to a mainstream audience with Drew as champion, you know, especially if Tyson Fury tagged along, which he, he may well have been willing to do. So, yeah, I just feel like they really blew it there, Kenny. So uh, I think, yeah, missed opportunity. Well, listen, that is all the time we have for today. We will be back on um, Thursday uh, on Patreon with the Powerslam podcast where we'll talk about, uh, you know, Raw and I'm sure there'll be more stuff to do with this uh, for us to chat about. So uh, we hope you join us for that. And uh, the magazine is still going strong. We hope that you'll check it out, insideropesmagazine.com. Um and, and yeah, our Patreon, where there's loads and loads of stuff going up um, all the time at patreon.com forward slash inside the road. So, Finn, I hope that you enjoy re-watching Clash at the Castle, and I hope it brings back some good memories of the weekend. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it will do. Yeah, I'm just as soon as we finish recording, I'm going to get back to the dark match and, um, and watch that again and continue my write-up. And just, you know, just a fact, can we just end, Kenny, with a couple more thoughts from CM Punk? Sure, sure. A couple more comments from the video (laughs) scrum. This is what he said. Our locker room, for all the wisdom and brilliance it has, isn't worth shit when you have an empty-headed idiot who's never done anything in the business, do public interviews, and say, oh, I don't really take advice. Who the F do you think you are? That's stupid. Another comment from Punk. I'm tired of wrestling these pricks. I'm tired of wrestling these kids who think they know everything. Another comment from Punk. There's so much drama and turmoil going on. He actually said those words. Even better, (laughs) Punk said, I'm here to try to elevate everybody. What, including Hangman Adam Page? (laughs) And then just before he left, and this is the perfect way to end this podcast, Kenny, Punk said, contrary to popular belief, I am a very nice guy. (laughs) I'm sure he is. Um, Well, listen, there'll be more by Thursday, I'm sure of it. So we will be here to tackle it all. Uh, But I want to thank everybody for all your support here. with these podcasts and supporting us, you know, through the weekend and the magazine, all the good stuff that you people do. So uh, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 